You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks' run of near perfection during 10 a.m. starts takes a slight hit as they fall 39-32 to the New Orleans Saints. The Hawks coming into the game were 22-7 during 10 a.m. starts and now fall 22-8 after a tough loss against the Saints. But we're going to dive into that matchup, see how everything went down like we do every week as we get inside the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Ray, well, it was the second week in a row the Seahawks were involved in a shootout this time. Like I mentioned, losing to the Saints 39-32. And I'd be remiss if I didn't start here. One of the biggest stories coming out of Sunday was the injury to Rashad Penny. You feel for a guy who's been through so much in his career. And we heard Pete Carroll say today that, you know, he looks like he broke that tibia in his leg and he's going to, you know, miss the rest of the season. So, what is this loss going to do to this team and specifically this running game? Well, you know, I think uh, I think Paul Moore, you kind of hit it on the head in the post game uh, because I think they have some capable backs that can come in. You know, with the kid, the young kid Walker, I think he has a, a different kind of dimension to, to how he runs, but he doesn't have the size that Penny has. Like Penny is two hundred, you know, thirty pounds running with speed and power. You know, running through some of those arm tackles, you know, in the trenches and then being able to get to the next level. And so I think you may miss some of that. I don't want to say like a, it's not like a physicality like a like a Marshawn Lynch or like a Chris Carson, but you miss uh, you're probably going to miss a little bit of that the size advantage you have in the run game. But uh, I'm like you, man. Uh, you know, Rashad Penny has worked really, really hard. I remember last year doing one of, or doing the preseason one of his uh, press conferences, and you know he's really soft spoken dude and was saying like you know he's not trying to get hurt. You know, you know, and uh, he understands that, you know, he people want to see him on the field and that his job is to play football. So he's not trying to get hurt. So you know, here it is again. He's, you know, got off to, he ended the season strong last year, was getting off to a good start this year. And then the injury thing jumped on him again. So I, I really feel for the dude and, uh, uh, and, and we'll certainly have, keep him in my thoughts. So with, with Ken Walker, Ken Walker steps up. He has a huge run, obviously. Do you think he's ready? And do you think it helped that he's been able to kind of sit behind Rashad the last five games and not kind of be the guy as he kind of transitions into right now as the lead back? Do you think he's ready for that moment right now, Ray? You know, I think he is. Uh, because even in, in the game, you know, in, the, in the few games he's had a few carries, you know, he's kind of been a little bit like, uh, he seems like very excitable. You know, he's got the ball in my hands. Oh, man, I got to go do something. So he kind of, you know, was kind of running, not out of control, but just not in the type of control that you're used to seeing him in. But then you can actually see in this game, he had, a, you know, one one or two carries early where we thought, like, man, he's, like, moving just a little too fast. He was a little bit ahead of the blocking. And then all of a sudden, he kind of got himself calmed down, made put his foot in the ground, made the cut, and the next thing you know, he has the big, the big long touchdown. So I think he's ready. And the, the, the one thing about him, I remember him from college, is that uh, he was like led the country or was like in the top you know, three or four or five running backs in the country with yards after contact. So even though he's maybe 210 to 15 pounds versus 235 pounds, he still has a knack for running through you know, tackles and getting yards after contact. So 
Uh, I'm excited to see what he brings. I think he'll probably add a little bit more to the passing game. Uh, but also, you know, with DJ Dallas and not, you know, I'm not sure who else they may bring in, but DJ Dallas, you know, can't, you know, you know, count him out either. He's going to do something every time he gets in there to, to bring some value to the running back room. Hey, Big Ray, speaking of running the football, I'm going to flip it over to the New Orleans Saints, man. They had a day. Taysom Hill had 112 for three touchdowns. Kamara had 23 carries for 103. Overall, they ran it 48 times for 235 yards. It's it's clear what teams are going to do to attack the Seahawks. How do they at least take a step forward in defending the run game? Not to fix it overnight, but how do they get better? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit last week leading into that game. It's like, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys are uh, trying to be assignment perfect. And so you tend to, like, play with a little less aggression when you're just trying to make sure you get to the right place. Uh, but now I think they, they need to get to the right place and then be football players. So, you know, getting off blocks and making tackles, making sure you're in the same gap, but you're showing up in the gap to make a play, not just by so you get a plus on the, on the, on the assignment. Um, chart, and then we heard a lot of the uh, you know some of the veterans after the game, you know, just talking about the whole accountability thing. You know, it's something they kind of went through a couple years ago, and they had the big meeting and uh, they had this big accountability thing, and it seemed like the defense got got better after that. So, you know, I don't know that um, uh, this would be a, a time to panic and like change your defense, but if there's a way to get a bigger body. Uh, and on on the defensive line uh, in some of those early rundowns, I think it might help. Right now, when you run like those three four concepts, you have natural um, gaps over the guards, which make which make it easy for them to get up to the linebackers. So, so that's creating a problem. And then you have to maybe look and see if um, if you have the type of defensive lineman, big dudes down there that can really two gap that way and hold up a double team and not get driven down the field. So there's a little bit of adjustment I think they're going to have to make. And then, like we said, it's just going to have to be a little bit at a time. It's not going to happen something overnight. Well, Ray, g- give me something to look positive front. You know, obviously the Seahawks are giving up a lot of yards right now defensively. They did force four punts. The rookie Tariq Woolens had three games with three turnovers. Kobe Bryant made a couple plays. What are you seeing from that defense on a good note that you think is going to translate moving forward this year and, and give, you know, fans out there a reason to be excited about the potential of this defense turning things around. Well, the, the one person that I've, that's just been balling like all of last year and this year is Al Woods. I mean, he's, he's a, a force in the middle. We saw uh, yesterday where he took on the center, took on the guard, took on the tackle and then made the, the, the tackle in the backfield. So he's playing some really good football and he's really trying to hold down what he can in the middle. I think Nuosu didn't have as many stats um, uh, this past game, but he has been a, a good pickup for the Seahawks. He's been very active getting after the quarterback and getting hits on the quarterback and making plays. And then you have to uh, look at those the two rookies. You know, Kobe Bryant has been on the um, – you know, had maybe a couple of penalties, but he's also created two fumbles uh, in the last two games. And then Tariq Woolen, like you said, is three games, I guess, in a row with, with interception. So all those things are, are things that look good. I think yesterday – um, the Jordan Brooks that we were expecting to see kind of showed up. Uh, he made some some big hits and some big tackles around the line of scrimmage versus you know a lot of um, yards down the field. So uh, I think those are some really good things to to look to look after. I think uh, Daryl Taylor, you know, like a, watching him a little bit more closely yesterday, like he's not getting as much um, uh, playmaking as as he was last year, but also he's getting double teamed a lot. So they're putting they're they're chipping him with the tight end. And then he has to get through the tackle. So it may be opening it up for other guys to do some damage. So even though he doesn't have the 
the numbers we would like, uh, he's pulling attention away from other folks. So to me, those are good things. To, those are good things to think about. And the other thing is that they have all the pieces. They have all the players. Even with Jamal Adams being out, you know, Neil is a playmaker. You know, they, they have guys that can make plays. They just have to, you know, get a hold of that account- accountability thing, show up with bad intentions, and then and then remember that they're football players. You know, like they don't have to just not just about being a right with the assignment, but it's, it's getting to the assignment and then doing what you're what you're paid to do, which is play football and stop folks. Hey Ray, this is the fifth week in a row. I look at the quarterback position and I'm just um I'm optimistic. I love what I'm seeing. Now we saw this offense go one for nine on third downs, but how they made up for this was just the explosive plays, man. They had a drive of five plays, 75 yard touchdown, three plays, 50 yard touchdown, three plays, 75 yard touchdowns. Like they're showing a different dynamic. We we knew Gino was a dink and dunk type of guy, but now he's throwing the full ball down the field. Um what does that make you think about this offense overall? Is it safe to say they're complete? You know, like uh, there's an old saying, when people uh, show you who they are, you should believe them. And so I think Gino has certainly <laughs> done that. Uh, you know, we thought this was going to be a, a big test because this is you know, one of the top defenses in the league. And Gino just looked like the same old Gino that he's been, been all year. Like the dimes he's been dropping, the way he has, has command of the offense, I think, uh, even though it's just starting to get a little attention, but the idea that you have two rookie tackles playing and they're not getting a whole lot of help and they're taking on the better pass rushers in this league by themselves. And over the last two games, I think they gave up maybe one sack and one hit. So uh, those guys are really uh, balling out. And then they are showing the, the ability to, to run the ball, not just um, – uh, when they want to run the ball, like sometimes, like it's easy to run the ball when you, you know you're throwing the ball all over the place and the defense has softened up. But when the defense knows you want to run the ball and you're able to run the ball, then that says a lot about the efficiency of your of your blocking up front. So uh, I like what they see in the offense. This is what I was expecting to see when Shane Waldron came. His play calling, uh, Geno's ability to have the freedom to to check at the line of scrimmage and put him in the right place. All those things uh, just seem to be coming together at the right time for this for this offense and for this team. And so if you get the defense kind of going, then this could be a, a way better season than a lot of people had thought. And already the offense and Dino are way better than what a lot of people thought. I hope you're right, Ray. I feel good about it. I feel great about this offense, like you mentioned. I think they're they're there. You know, there's a lot of good players on this team. There, there are places to be made. They can get a lot better. And I think hopefully we'll start to see that. Ray, as always, we appreciate you breaking it down and hopping on with us, and we will talk to you next week. All right, Ray. Yes, sir. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Ray. Peace. That was Inside the Trenches with Ray Roberts. Now it's time to figure out what had happened. See, what had happened at first was. <laughs> what happened was. What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. Well, um, if you learned anything about Washington Seahawks football in the last, I don't know, 15 years, you know it's not going to disappoint. It's going to be entertaining. It might mess with your heart a little bit. It might mess with that heart rate <laughs> up, down, up, down. Sunday did not disappoint in terms of that being an up and down crazy game. Unfortunately, it was disappointing in the final outcome as the Seahawks lose to the Saints. Things got going pretty okay. You know, defensively, they get a stop. You know, the Saints kick a field goal. They're up 3 nothing. Then the Seahawks answer with a five-play, 75-yard drive, ending with a 50-yard bomb, the DK Metcalf, making the score 7-3. And I just love how they start, man. 
They're starting fast. Geno's in control from the first snap of the game, taking him down on a nice drive. And he's always poised. He's moving to his left. He's doing things in the pocket and letting that arm fly down the field. So it was great to see that, you know, kind of start the game off on a good note. Yeah, they start off on a good note, and then they hold the Saints to a field goal. So you're looking at the defense. You're like, okay, we're making some progress. You held them to um, a field goal. And then the Hawks will get the ball. Boom, Jason Myers kicks a field goal. Right, We saw him last week miss one. So we're seeing positivity early. We're like, okay, you hold the Saints to a field goal. You you drive down the field. You score with DK. And then you kick a field goal. You're up 10 to three, then the Saints will kind of find their group. They're on a 10-play, 69-yard drive with Taysom Hill. Just the beginning of the day for Taysom Hill. They had an eight-yard yeah. touchdown. Time to score at 10-10. We saw a lot of this throughout the game. That's number seven was getting busy. Yeah, Taysom Hill, man. I um, We know what he was at BYU. We know what he is in the, in the NFL, but he's a Swiss Army knife. He is a guy that you cannot replicate. And for that state's offense, he's everything. He's a receiver. He's a quarterback. He's a running back. He's running back kickoff returns. He's running down on punt. He's running down on special teams. So he's Taysom Hill. He brought it last Sunday, and that was a, it was rough for that Seahawks defense. You know, as the game though went on, this, they would both teams would exchange punts. Seahawks go three and out, leading to um, another Michael Dixon punt, and this is where things kind of broke down. Yeah, Pete Carroll said after the game, it was indeed not a fake punt. You know, it was rugby style punt where. The punter kind of holds the ball a little bit, runs to the right. Everyone kind of shuffles, and they punt it down. Unfortunately, things got a little messy. Uh, Michael Dixon didn't think he'd get the punt off, and eventually was tackled by, I believe, Taysom Hill. Yep, Pump. of all people. Got for an eight-yard loss, and the Saints took over. Boom, two plays later. They're in the end zone with, again, a Taysom Hill touchdown, making the score 17-10. Yep, they made it 17-10, and then we saw a familiar thing. Rookies making plays, right? Kobe Bryant was forced to fumble. Tariq Woolen will recover it, and then that set up a 35-yard touchdown from Geno to Tyler Lockett, making the score 19-17. to And then the second half started out bad for the Seahawks. Man, you get a fumble by DK Metcalf. I didn't think it was a fumble. That elbow yep. looked down to me, but I'm not the referee. I'm not New York. And um, that set up a Chris Olave touchdown, making the score 24-19. That was a tough swing right there. Tough swing. Seahawks had momentum coming out of the half. They turn it over on that possession, like you said, and I thought DK was down. And yeah, then on the down to me. And then on the flip side, the Olave touchdown, you know, I'm, I probably think they got it right, but it was still just to have those bang-bang calls both go against you like that. For DKs to be a fumble and then Olave's to be a catch-through, it was just, it was a really tough break and then, you know, 14-point swing for the Seahawks potentially. Then as the game continued, three, three straight Seahawks punts. They did get back in the end zone with an amazing 40-yard bomb from Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, making it 31-25. The Hawks would then force another punt setting up a 69-yard touchdown run by Ken Walker, making the score 32-31 to with 6.54 remaining in the fourth quarter. Bump, things were looking good. Yeah, it was looking good, but however, that was the last time the Seahawks would leave. The Saints would answer right back, man, with a 60-yard touchdown run by whoever. Whoever, then Taysom freaking Hill making the score (laughs) 39 to 32. And then the Hawks would punt in their ensuing possession, then initially ending the game. That was tough because you felt like it was a one band, one man band Mm -hmm. named Taysom Hill with a sprinkle of Kamara in there. And that was enough for the Saints to get her done. Yeah, the Saints dominate time of possession 37 to 37, 35 to 22, 25. Saints had 438 yards of total offense, rushed for 235, as you mentioned earlier. 
And the Seahawks were also penalized 12 times for 85 yards. That's definitely something they want to get cleaned up. It's kind of lingered throughout the last couple of weeks. And this is another disappointing game. You know, the Seahawks are sitting here at two and three, definitely in the thick of it right now in the NFC West. But you just look at that and you go, man, you look at that schedule and you think at the very least, this team should probably be four and one. Yep. Easily, easily, man. It's uh, And that's the disappointing part, but it could be the part that makes you optimistic because you feel like they should be four and one. So they're doing enough things to be in the game. It's got to tighten up some things. No denying defense got to tighten up. Offense can't go one for nine on third downs again this, uh, this week, but uh, you know, we're in this together. Stay in the fight. Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's see you made some plays. Touchdown. Seahawks. Playmakers. Got to start the quarterback, Geno Smith, killing the game, 16 to 25, 268 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, QB rating of 139.7, still had a 64% completion percentage, which is pretty good for most quarterbacks in the National Football League. But for Geno Smith, that was his worst completion percentage by a little bit this whole season, or that's the first time this year he's been under 72%. Obviously still playing great football. Gave him a chance to win. I, I alluded to it earlier. He just made a ton of plays. Rolling to his left, that dime he yeah. threw to Noah Fant. The ball he threw to Tyler Lockett, splitting the safeties at the end of the half there. I was stunned by kind of how the New Orleans played that at the end of the half. Time and score. They looked like they were in kind of like a Tampa 2 look. And they just, you know, Tyler Lockett just finds a way in the seam. And the ball was thrown only where Tyler could catch it. So Geno Smith is playing at an MVP type level. And he's doing it week after week after week. So at some point, as Ray said it, he is showing you who he is. Right. You know? This is who he is. And um, that throw to Tyler Lockett, you mentioned it was on the dime. Tyler does a good job moving the safety. I mean, he's showing folks, look, I can throw that football down the field too. Said with Ray, I'm not just some dink and dumb type of guy. Um, next playmaker, we're going to depend on this guy heavily now that Rashad Penny is out. It's Ken Walker, eight carries, 88 yards, one touchdown, scored his first NFL touchdown. His first touchdown for Michigan State when he transferred was a 70-yard touchdown. His first touchdown with the Seahawks, 69-yard touchdown, missed it by, by one yard. But, yeah, we're going to depend on this young man. And you see what he can do. You see the shiftiness. You see the speed. I think once he learns the tempo of the game, he's a bit more patient in that zone look. Um, he's going to be fine. But this is why you draft the running back. This because you don't know with Rashad Penny. He's shown that he, you know, he gets banged up. And um, you you never wish this on Rashad Penny. Hold 20, you get better, man. You come back strong. But this is why you have a stable full of running backs. Oh, absolutely. You can never have enough running backs. And you mentioned it with Rashad. Rashad is one of the best dudes in this locker room. And I, my heart hurts for him because I know how hard he's worked. I know how humble he is. I know how just appreciative he is to have the opportunity to go out with his teammates every week. And he was balling. He was yeah, balling. He was, was going to be at a pace where I swear, you know, I think we mentioned it on Hawks Live. You know, if he got the right amount of carries, I think he could be a top rusher in the NFL I think he was top three that was the pace he was going to be on so huge bummer but as you alluded to I know the Seahawks took a lot of you know flack for drafting a running back in the second round well believe it or not it looks like John Schneider and Pete Carroll company know what they're doing you might know a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so no love to see it I think Ken Walker is going to is going to be a big part of this offense moving forward so hoping we get more of that the other playmaker Tyler Lockett five receptions 104 yards two touchdowns Lockett passed his teammate Doug Baldwin for fifth place on Seattle's all-time total touchdowns list of 50. Also passed Sean Alexander for second place on Seattle's all-time combined yard list. 
And the crazy thing about Tyler Bump is he did all of that in the second half. Tyler had zero receptions at halftime. I think you mentioned him right for the halftime show. Like, I don't think Tyler's got a, got a target yet and then just goes off in the second half. Yeah, Tyler, man, he's he's sneaky, Mr. Consistent, Mr. Reliable. You can always count on 16 to make some plays, whether it's either intermediate or deep. Let's talk about the other receiver over there, number 14, DK Metcalf. He had five receptions, 88 yards, one touchdown. Metcalf scored his 31st career receiving touchdown, tying him with Steve Largent for third place for the most receiving touchdowns in the player's first four seasons in franchise history. All right, so every time they they have a game, they're going to hit a new mark, it seems like, because that's mm-hmm. two weeks in a row where they're passing somebody up for something. And DK could have had two touchdowns. I'm sure he's watching the film, right, uh, kicking him stuff. But DK and Lockett having solid games at the same time. That's the first time that's happened this year. Usually I think they t- take turns. One guy mm-hmm. leads the charge. The other guy um, plays Robin to the Batman, but it was nice seeing Malaki get going and seeing DK do it as well. Yep. Gotta love it. Both those two, this offense obviously goes with the run game, but if 14 and 16 are making plays, they're a, a definitely a dangerous unit going on the defensive side. Tariq Woolen just being consistent, Mr. Rookie, man. Four tackles, one interception, one pass offended, one fumble recovery. And, man, that's three consecutive games with an interception. He's just making plays. He is just making plays. And you go a week before that, he blocks a kick at San Francisco. He's yep. just putting his imprint on every game plan. And they're not – Marcus Trufant mentioned it. A lot of guys have talked about it. He's getting interceptions, but he's taking the ball away. Ball is not just being thrown to him. It's not an overthrow like, oh, you know, lucky interception. No, he's making plays out there. Great technique. I love what I'm seeing from the rookie, and he's just been – I don't know where this defense will be without Tariq Woolen right now, and it's just it's just a blessing to see where he's at and just scary to see how good he can become. I mean, Ryan Nell said the post game. He said they're going to stop testing that man. You know, <laughs> they're going to they gonna see it on film and stop throwing at him, but I hope they do because you're throwing at him. Tariq is going to come up with an interception. Uh, last playmaker is Jordan Brooks, man. He had 11 tackles, one pass defending, one QB hit. Was probably the best player on defense against the Saints, and he was playing with an intensity that – we haven't seen yet. I mean, he's making open field tackles and he's not just getting them to the ground. He's driving Mm -hmm. him to the ground. He's making the violent play, very physical, fast type of player. That was his game. That's what we knew of him. You know what I'm saying? So it's nice to see him uh, get back to the old Jordan Brooks. He's always filled up the stat, the stat line. That's what he does every single game. But um, he played with a different type of intensity this game. Yeah. Jordan Brooks is, is a guy that I've been saying for a couple years now, I think he's going to jump to that pro bowl, um, you know, getting votes for all pro type status eventually. And I think, I think yesterday was the start of just him playing with that. And he kind of just felt like he was playing more. Obviously it's tough in this scheme when you got guards and everyone getting to that second level quickly, but he was just playing fast and aggressive. So love to see it from him. Now flipping back to the offense, taking a look at this wide receiver roundup bump looks like still spreading the wealth around one, two, three, four, five, six different guys with receptions on Sunday. Yep, that's always good, man. I like being around six to eight. You get six to eight guys involved in the pass game. That means you're getting your your two-headed monster in DK and Tyler involved, and then you typically get three um, tight ends involved and a couple of running backs and a, and a miscellaneous type dude. But that's what we're seeing. Noah Fan probably had his most targets all year. He had five targets, three receptions, 49 yards. Uncle Will had two for 21. DJ Dallas got in the mix as well. Then D. Eskers with a target. We saw him out on the field a lot more than we have in the past few weeks, so maybe that's some foreshadowing there. We might see a little bit more of D. Eskers, number one. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about D. Eskers again in a second here as we flip over the coach's corner. One of the best 
plays from Sunday, and that was Ken Walker taking it 69 yards to the house. Walker, the single setback, a tight slot on the right side is Eskridge and Lockett. Gino now walks over to talk to them, comes back to the center, talks to Medcalf, now goes under center on second down and short turns, hands to Walker. Got a little running room, breaks free, 40, midfield, he is going to go, 40, 30, 20, look at the rookie, touchdown, Seahawks, Ken Walker the third. have tied this up at 31 apiece. Um, break it down for us. Man, it's a little zone look you got. You got Uncle Will to the right at the tight end spot attached to the line of scrimmage. You got 16 and number one DS Grish to the right of Uncle Will Disley. And it's just a zone left look. And here's the thing about the zone. The zone, you always want to give the play side a chance to work. You press the B gap to the play side. That's the left side. And then if nothing's there, you look for that cutback. I'm going to save the askers for you because I know what you're going to say about. So I'm going to talk about Uncle Will and Tyler Lockett on this right here. Uncle Will does a great job of not stealing that DN camp Jordan, but, but forcing him outside. And the number 16, Tyler Lockett, not the biggest man in the world, but understands, okay, if there's a cutback lane, I have to make sure I have some inside leverage there to hold off this defender. And then Ken Walker just has the vision, the flow, and the speed to turn on the Jets. You see Tyler Lockett celebrating as soon as he turns and looks. Touchdown, first touchdown of his young career, Ken Walker. Yep, first of hopefully many touchdowns for Ken Walker and his explosiveness. is It's good to see the Seahawks, even without Rashad Penny, have another legitimate home run threat in the backfield. He looks like he's going to pick up right where Rashad Penny left off on explosive plays over 30 yards, hopefully a lot more touchdowns. But Bump, you mentioned it, and D. Eskridge hasn't done a lot in the stat sheet necessarily, but he's playing a lot more. And if you want to start making plays, it starts right here in the run game. You mentioned him. He's at the top of the formation, and he gets the, gets a block on the safety, and that's a touchdown block. That's yep. a block that really springs him. You know, Ken Walker has a great vision. He cuts back. He's in the second level, but what really gets him is, is the Eskridge's block on the safety. And then he also gets just enough the safety to kind of get him in the other defensive back's way. And then with Ken Walker's speed, he's gone. You know, so I, I love that. And who's the first person down there to celebrate with him? D. Eskridge. And, you know, another thing that I like about the rookie is he, I guess D. Eskridge is a second-year player, but he's essentially a rookie because he missed so much time last year. Yeah. He even let Ken Walker do his thing, wasn't sure what his celebration was going to be, let him do his thing, don't interrupt it till he's done, and then you celebrate <laughs> with your boy. So love what I'm seeing from D. Eskridge. That was a fun play. And Ken, Ken Walker, man, I, I think, Bump, we got something good here. Time to roll. Let's go, Kim. Uh, unfortunately... We were in our favorite formation last week. We had been away from it for two weeks, but unfortunately, clock ran out once again. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. Seahawks, it really came down to them not being able to stop Taysom Hill, who I want to say almost single-handedly won the game for the Saints. Nine carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns. Also, it's one for one passing with 22 yards and a touchdown. Accounted for all but one touchdown, and it was really the do-it-all do guy for the Saints on Sunday, and he definitely made the Seahawks hurt for it. 
Yeah, man. It was the Taysom Hill show. And I said a sprinkle of uh, Alvin Kamara earlier. Dude still had over 100 yards on the ground. You know what I'm saying? It's Taysom Hill just did it all. You mentioned three touchdowns, one passing touchdown. It was just too many explosive plays, right? You got a what, um, 60-yard run by Taysom Hill. You got a 54-yard run by Kamara. It's just right when you think you had them bottled up, they will make a play, and they dominated the time of possession. If you don't have the ball, all right, you're not controlling the tempo of the game. You can't make that many plays. Saints held the ball for 37 minutes. The Hawks held it for 22. Yep, and then you look at total offense. Saints, 438 yards. The Seahawks did okay. They had 396, but when you're giving up consistently over 400 yards of offense, it's going to be hard to win any of those games. Giving up over 200 rush yards is going to be tough to win any of those games, and it sucks because they did get off the field at times. They did make some plays, but, you know, worst-case scenario for them, you know, things just happen breaking down on key plays and just too much of that, unfortunately, and too many big plays for them to get anything done. Big plays and penalties. The Hawks are penalized 12 times for 85 yards. That is a, um, a recipe for disaster, big plays penalty. And those penalties were timely too. There's a couple third down penalties that were one for nine, one for eight on third down. So that contributed to it as well. But uh, you know how this league goes, man, watch the film, learn from it. You still got to play ball, baby. Come on. And again, it's disappointing in a loss as we sit here on a Monday telling the truth about what happened yesterday. But this team has shown a ton of reasons why they can be successful. We said it earlier. This team easily could be 4-1 and one on the season. And I think it's something that they're going to get there. It just needs some time. Luckily, they're going to have some home cooking as they return home to Lumen Field this Sunday, taking on the Arizona Cardinals. It could be busy down there in Soto, but we'll be back with you guys on Wednesday to let you know all about the team, the Cardinals, we are playing. For my co-host, Michael Bumbus, I'm Nasa Chobi. This has been another edition of Hawk Talk. Unfortunately, the Seahawks drop a game to the Saints 39-32. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.